what up what up what up welcome back to the show welcome back to the circus um what's up everyone it's jason checking in with you guys i'm here with travis andrew uh we've actually gotten about like 20 minutes into a super deep conversation before i realized we actually have a podcast that we're supposed to be recording so <clears throat> just to catch you guys up to speed um me and Andrew are kind of riffing on education and, and career advancement and really how to propel yourself and push yourself forward within your career. And I think that we're both, we like through our experiences, we've both taken away a lot uh, and we're still learning about, you know, the limitations within the job and then how to seek outward support for that education versus finding the job that does support that education in-house. Um, and just to catch us up to speed a little bit, from my background working uh, at the nonprofit level, it was really difficult to find education in-house just because of the lack of a budget that nonprofits have to support that. And unfortunately, uh, you know, about two and a half, three years went by where really the only education I was receiving was through my master's degree program. It wasn't coming from my, from my job, um, from like a clinical supervisor or whatnot. It was really, you know, interactions with clients and Andrew and I were really vibing on that because that sounds like it. it's pretty much your current experience. Is that right, Andrew? Yeah, pretty much. Nonprofit organization and uh, any kind of like development, any kind of advancement in my own knowledge or my own skills, it, it has to be self, you know, self-taught, self-discovered, and me taking the initiative. Um, and I get it. Like some people really like that kind of um, that kind of atmosphere, and people want want that type of freedom and flexibility. Uh, at this point, what I was telling you, JB and Trav, is that I, I'm very much early into the mental health field and I'm relying on my employer. I'm relying on on the culture there and the organization to to feed me, to to develop my skills, to help me advance myself clinically. And so it's been a little bit frustrating. It's been frustrating to kind of have to do it on my own. Um, and then I hear where you're at right now, JB, and uh, it's like night and day of, you know, from our experiences. Yeah. I mean, it really, yeah, it, it, it adds perspective for sure. Because coming from that nonprofit side, as I mentioned, where there wasn't that education, kudos to you, Andrew, for actually seeking that education from trainings and whatnot, and really putting, putting, you know, your, your work, you know, on the hot seat by saying, you know, this is what we need to do to improve as an agency. And especially with the, if we want to align that with the goals of the agency, now, you know, where I stand working with the county where there's a million trainings and just did a wonderful implicit bias four hour training last week that I felt like I just really, really like resonated and shook me to my core um, to hear where you're, where you're at right now, Andrew, you know, it makes me sad a little bit because I know how intelligent you are. I know how like thirsty for knowledge you can be, you know, knowledge is like the ult ultimate thirst trap and it's not a trap. <laughs> Uh, Andrew will drink to that. And when you when you like when you're in that sort of like desert of of opportunity to learn, and you have to seek it out yourself, it can it can create feelings of resentment, feelings of burnout. And you know, I won't be the first one to say that. Like when it when it was happening to me, I was seriously considering a career change or you know a job, an employer change at the very least, because um, I feel like it's so important when it comes to maintaining a job, staying in a job, right? There's certain things to prevent burnout. And one is to, you know, be cre get creative and, and support your employees. And ultimately, you know, beyond the, you know, uh, 
the, the relationships between management and, and, and non-management and then the, you know, PTO accrual, the, the, the amount of self-care that they support and propose, um, you know, the pizza parties that they hold outside of that, you know, there's a lot of burnout and there's a lot of areas that kind of fall through the cracks. And I think that education is one of those. Trav, do you have anything you want to add? Um, no, uh, let me take it away for this mini episode. Uh, well, Trav, you worked, you and I worked together, you know, back at that nonprofit for, for a couple of years. And when you were there, did you feel challenged by any sort of like, did, or did you feel supported with like training and education and, and furthering your knowledge? Or do you feel like it really came from your experiences working with the clients, almost like trial by fire? Um, I personally don't think I learned or grew, um, working for that agency. Um, everything that they were pretty much trying to teach us, especially for Medi-Cal or Medicaid, I had already known. In fact, I knew that they were doing it illegal. Um, so I think that was also frustrating. Well, that was frustrating to me, actually. Um, the fact that they were trying to force something, um, new on us that was illegal because we were not, um, certified or technically qualified to be um billing or doing some of the stuff they had us doing so um that was frustrating to me um well i think the concept was that we build under somebody's license but at the same time if we're untrained and we don't have the education to do that and there's not thorough auditing of that then it can really create a problem we didn't even have no one there for well, we really didn't have no one there for us. Um, so we was building under somebody's license who we really had to just just reach out to through, I don't even think we were using Zoom, um, just through Google, Gchat or something like that. Did you feel like it led to feelings of resentment towards the agency? And did it in any way influence your decision to ultimately leave the agency? Well, yes, because I started feeling like all they cared about was hours, billing, 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 which was extremely frustrating. Yeah, no doubt. It was stressful. It was really stressful. Um, And I don't disagree with you that their prerogative definitely shifted from supporting employees to hitting goals. And I think that that comes with the the territory when when it's nonprofits. Like they really do put the agency first. And we saw that through a lot of their actions, not to just throw them under the bus, because I know that there's a ton of other agencies that were acting, uh, you know, very similarly or worse. but going along those lines, Trav, do you think things would have been different if there was more accountability and supervision available and trainings and opportunities to, to learn? Well, yes, I definitely think it would have been better. Um, and just even meeting up with supervision, you would have felt supported. Um, I mean, just supervision alone, um, things could have been different because then you've been able to have that um, – guess like that safe space or this space to um express your feelings or your thoughts or just to, um your concerns or voice that you need help um yeah you just you you'll feel more supported so i do think that would have made a difference or made a difference yeah i think there's a lot here um ultimately i think the three of us work in a field where we're service based and we work with people and there's, uh, there's all, anytime you have to be working with people directly in this, in the, in the way that we do, um, it's very easy to burn out. It's very easy to get overwhelmed and you always want to feel like you have some type of support and empowerment, right? 
and those come like so for anybody who's listening to this if you work in the field that we do travis as an educator jb and myself as social workers or clinicians there's people listening maybe you're a nurse maybe you're you work in hospitality and retail whatever it is like when you come working face to face with people like you need your support and you need empowerment and um and agencies your your employer and your setting can can deliver in those two air arenas in different ways and i you know i hope that people are getting that and if you're not i hope that you're able to find it and seek it in in whatever way you can and it sounds to me like you know jb and tribe i you know, to answer your same questions that you're asking back and forth to each other, which was like, do you feel like you're learning? Do you feel like you're like right now? I'm very much capped at where my learning, my learning has pretty much hit a, hit a wall and it's like very capped. And then uh, everything that I have to do, I have to take it upon myself. Um, and, you know, it, to me, burnout is, is part of the word. I, there's, I like the word apathy also, or like complacent, where things just get so mundane um, and then when it's in, in our field, if things are mundane and dull, are you hiding a thesaurus like behind the screen that I just can't see? Cause you're hitting all, you're hitting all the synonyms. <laughs> uh, no, I just think, uh, I'm, I don't know. I don't know why those words popped in my head, but I, I, I only describe it in, in those ways because it's, it's a different layer than burnout. You know, sometimes I think of burnout as, as maybe if I, if I am being challenged, and if you're being challenged consistently, it can lead to burnout. But there's a whole another layer to what we're talking about, which is this this kind of level of apathy, complacency. It's, there's a little bit of disgust that is like gut wrenching in your body because you're like, you know what? Like I think the metaphor is Andrew for what you're talking about because I totally feel <laughs> you. It's almost like stagnant water. Yeah. You know, it's like you start as like a pond or like a puddle, whatever whatever it may be, <laughs> and. If no, if it's just like sits there and sits there and sits there, you know, mosquitoes lay eggs. It gets super dirty and gross, <laughs> moss. And like, and like after a while, it's just like this, like completely just disgusting thing that like prior to that was like, you know, fresh, a freshwater pond or something, you know? And I, I, I think how I'm picturing what you're saying is like burnout is a level you reach. It's like, it's like a, it's a feeling, you know, you feel burnt out. Whereas the lack of opportunities to learn and grow and, and, and receive, you know, uh, adequate supervision, it's, it's more like an agency issue. Whereas the burnout is something we feel right. Yeah, and then I, like, I think and an then attitude. coming with that is, yeah, it's, 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 it can be the it, attitude of the, impa- of the impacts, agency or the company. It impacts our psyche and it impacts our attitude to do the work, right? Uh, burnout can, can really burnout can really hit me physically. I could be exhausted. I could be sleepy. I could be tired. Right. But apathy is like, I could be fully well rested, but the minute I walk in through the doors and clock in for my shift, I'm already over it. I'm already like, dude, why am I here? Like, what is the point? Right. I'm not learning anything. I'm not gaining anything. And there are jobs out there. Don't get me wrong. There are jobs out there where you can clock in and clock out and people People love that. People consider that to be the dream where they can show up for eight hours, clock in, clock out, make their money. I'm not, I'm not shitting on those jobs at all. I'm not shitting on anybody who wants that in our field specifically in any field like ours, where we we're working with clients and we're doing service-based like procedures and things and practices. It's very hard to just clock in and clock out. You're going to feel apathetic. And the last thing you want to do is show up to your service-based people oriented shift 
with apathy in your brain. You know what I mean? If you are licensed in any, you know, uh, either behavioral science or medical or, you know, legal field, things change. Approaches change over time. Research takes place. Laws change. Um, and whether you're a doctor, lawyer, nurse, social worker, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, you have to, a teacher, right? Like, uh, administrator, whatever, like you have to stay up to date on where, like what things currently are at. And to do so, you need training, you need supervision, you know, you need the opportunity to, you know, to, to learn and grow. Cause, uh, I mean, for certain fields, you have tests every, every few years on, you know, updated knowledge to make sure you, you still know what's going on. Um, and I, you know, I just, I think, you know, one of the things we're really highlighting here is just how important that opportunity is. And if your job grants it to you and, and gives you that, like, great, that's an awesome job. Um, well, you know, with, with, you know, with, with some variation of that, but a lot of the times, like what we seek in our fields is the opportunity to continue to grow and improve. Cause in our field, if you stay the same for 10, five, 10, 15 years, it, it gets, you know, repetitive, redundant. There's no opportunity to, you know, to, to improve yourself and you fall into these learned behaviors, right? Like if you don't have the, the supervision or the opportunity to take trainings, you could be doing something wrong or unethical or illegal for years before somebody catches on and think of all the harm caused by that. And yeah, I mean, and that can go, that, that's a pretty dramatic sort of example, but like, I think that there's a lot of value in the opportunity to learn and grow in any field. As you mentioned, like you could work in hospitality and you know, there's, there's ways to like improve management, right? There's ways that you can improve customer service and whatnot. And oftentimes that comes with training and opportunity and supervision. Yeah. And I'll, I'll I mean, man, this turned into a venting sesh, <laughs> which is great. I feel like we all needed this. Um, well, I feel like I really needed it. So I appreciate this conversation. Um, and to follow that JB, it's like everyone who's listening, just think about, think about services that you rely upon, uh, on a, just a normal basis, right? Going to the doctor, a dentist, um, you know, seeing uh, legal help, whatever it is, your your own CPA, whatever, right? And all of these fields, if you, I don't know what the word to say is, but I think if you continually let it be complacent and stagnant and you're not challenged and you're not advancing, then you reach a point where you're very much like desensitized and Compassion fatigue is something that's really big in our field too. And amongst educators, like you would hope that when you go see your doctor, that that doctor treats you as a unique patient, that you are different than everyone else because you're a different person with different needs and different types of care. So if that doctor that you go see all of a sudden becomes desensitized, apathetic and complacent, he's just going to pretty much be clocked out the minute you walked in the door. Like the minute you go to get your checkup, he's he or she or they are already like, uh, whatever, like, yeah. And they they have poor bedside manners. They're short. They're blunt. They're rude. And I don't want to be that person in this field. Um, I don't. I'm. That's not a. That's not why I took on this role and took on this path and to be in this field. And so I think a lot of people who work 
in an industry like ours, not just mental health, but yeah, teachers and nurses and whatever, right? If you have to work with people, God, you're, you're probably listening to this right now. Like, yeah, I've probably had way too many days where before I even started speaking to a client or a patient, I was already checked out mentally. I didn't even want to be there. And I think one of the ways to minimize that from happening is, I guess, demanding from your employer and your setting and your job that they take care of you appropriately, that they support you and they empower you and they advance you. Um, because damn, dude, this, this, these jobs are hard enough as it is. It's freaking miserable to do it if you do it with not the appropriate headspace. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, venting, Andrew's done, drop the mic. Trap, do you have anything to add? You've been quiet over there. Um, My situation is a little different from Andrew's. Like Andrew wants to learn at his job. He wants opportunities to grow. And my job is like they provide all these trainings, but then we don't have the time or the opportunity to, to actually imply what we're learning. So then it's just like just an overload of information. It's still a desk full of stuff that needs to be done that makes you feel overwhelmed and burnt out. And it's like we spend hours in trainings that are honestly some can be a little pointless and not beneficial when we can actually be using that time to actually plan or thought partner with someone on something that's actually beneficial to what we're doing. Um, so I just think that's pretty interesting how um, he wants the opportunity and then here it is, I have the opportunity, but it's not all, it's not really, it's, it's, it's honestly not beneficial because you don't have time to, to practice it. Like we don't have time to put what we're learning into play. That's so interesting that you say that. It's just like we just have complete opposite perspectives then. Um, I mean, granted, like there's there's some really boring trainings like that you have to take on like an annual basis just to get like, a, you know, that you just have to. But like, can you give me an example of like a training that you guys have 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 taken, Trav, and just you felt like you didn't have the opportunity to implement like the information or like what you were learning? Yeah, all the trainings we did the very first week of school before school started everything about six week vision plan six week lesson plan all this we had no opportunity like they gave us all this information about how it should look how it should look what what they're expecting but then we had no time to actually create what they had no time to create a lesson plan so then it's like now i have to empathize with my staff because like i know all they did was like give you all this information, like overload you with this information, but then there's no real time for you to actually plan this or even get feedback on it. And then it's like, I can't get upset with them. I can't be upset with you because I wouldn't expect them to use, um, we already, the, the hours are long, already long at school. So I can't expect them to like go home and do this stuff because I, being, being truthful, I wouldn't. Um, so it's just like, then I'm just like, I'm sitting there in supervision while I'm having supervision with them. And it's just like, yeah, you're right. Let's see, can, how can I carve some time out for you during school? Or what can I pick up for you? What hours, what minutes can I go make up while you have some time to um, actually lesson plan or modify? And in my department, we more so modify and make accommodations for students with um, IEPs of 504s. But they, again, don't have the time. So they give us all this training, give them all this training. But no, don't carve out real time um, for them to complete it. So then they yeah, get reprimanded. That sounds like burnout. Yeah, that's that sounds that like sounds setting like people up for failure. 
Yeah, that doesn't, that that doesn't, like that doesn't sound like failure. That sounds like a terrible rollout of a of a systematic change, not giving people the and the the time they need to to process the information before they're then judged by it. Like that doesn't sound very supportive at all. That sounds almost just like aggressive. Right. That's what I hear too. I mean, it, it feels that way. And just like today, today we had like this thing called, I guess, leadership wealthy. It's like when you're reviewing data, we didn't even get an opportunity to actually review the data, but we're supposed to hold this uh, meeting on Thursday, today's Tuesday, Thursday after school. We didn't have the actual times for leaders to actually analyze and go through all this stuff. And then tomorrow we're back at work like all day. So what they're expecting you to go home at night to put this presentation together. And it's just like, I just feel like it's, they got the right idea, but it's not realistic because like now you want to cut into people's personal time, which is, I'm personally. That's not cool at all. That's like, I would feel, I would feel very upset by that. Believe me. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. That's so crazy. That just like, and then it's like, we're talking, but we're talking about how we want more trainings and you're like, dude, like our school can chill on the trainings. And it's like we leave the training today, and then there was like they want to see like a preview uh, or just like some of the slides that we have tomorrow at ten o'clock. When are we supposed to do it? We didn't leave here until four fifteen. When do you think I'm about to do this? I got to go to work tomorrow and jump right, like get right into it. So when do you want this done? How do you want this done? Um, so I really don't like that. Um, it's like they have like they got a good plan, but. I don't think it's fully thought of, thought out on how their staff feels and how they can truly execute this. Yeah, it just doesn't seem reasonable. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's uh, reasonably applicable, right? And uh, man, it, it's it's funny, but a lot of it's not funny, but a lot of a lot of freaking employers do this, right? Where their their like onboarding process or their ramp up process for certain things, certain systems are are just completely unreasonable and. Um, and that's a bummer, you know. Travis and I are kind of going through different, different modes of of of, of distaste with our employers, um, and I think it really just stems down for what we want for ourselves, you know. Travis, I think it's really important for you to have a detachment from work, right? You can't just go to work for eight to nine hours in a day and bring it home too, and then wake up the next morning and go right back to work. That's to me, that's that's what I think of when I think of burnout, where you literally cannot find space to detach. From your job and detach from your career because we need that healthy balance and then on my side i feel like i'm under challenged you know uh, i'm not overwhelmed i feel like i'm underwhelmed in a lot of ways um and uh, i just want more um advancement so there could be a really good episode brewing here where we just talk about how people can establish themselves within their workplace setting and how to set boundaries and how to how to demand and how to ask more from your own em- from your employers and your own work settings because um, theoretically this is what you'll end up doing until the day you retire and for some of us that's decades from now for some of us that's who knows how long and um, yeah so thanks JV this was actually your idea to hit the record button because it started with us just venting for like 15 to 20 minutes and I think well I needed this and I, I hope I hope you guys felt like you needed it too. Travis, I think you might've needed it too. So, uh, dude, it, it started with this. 15 minutes of unrecorded venting. It ended with 25 additional minutes of recorded venting. So 
yeah, in a way, this was group therapy without us even realizing it was group therapy. Um, so I appreciate that. And yeah, I needed this. So this was nice. And I, I, I wish the best for all for everyone listening and for the three of us in our careers, um, because we love what we do and we want to continue to love what we do. And for people listening to this podcast, you have some some sort of empathy or compassion bone in your body that you want to exercise. And I hope that you get to exercise that and I hope you continue to live life with compassion and empathy. So if you ever feel apathetic or burnt out, just know that you deserve more and that therefore you demand, you should demand more. Any last closing thoughts there? You killed it, man. Yeah, that was great. Nope. You ended it well on point. All right, then we'll wrap it up. We'll catch everyone next time. Thanks for joining this mini episode. Thanks. Peace.